Do you have a favorite urban legend? Will you walk under a ladder? Maybe avoid black cats? What keeps you up at night thinking about it? Stay tuned and we will share with you some of our favorite ones. Hey everyone listening and welcome to our show, Horror, Wine, and Crime. I am Lo. And I'm KK. And today, while we talk about all the crazy and creepy urban legends out there that you may or may not have heard of before, we are drinking a cool glass of Fen Valley's Blueberry Wine. And we actually got this a couple weeks ago when we were taking a trip uh, up in Saugatuck in Michigan. And it was a great time. Girls weekend. Yes, it was so fun and we plan on making it a uh, tradition at this point. Now most of you are familiar with the movie Urban Legend. It came out in 1998. Holy crap, I was 18. <laughs> I was 3. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> I love my podcast. I love my podcast partners. Okay. So, um all you teen idols out there, you remember Jared Leto, Jared and Catalino, <sighs> my so-called life. <laughs> um, Tara Reid, she's also known for American Pie, Sharknado, and then you got Danielle Harris um, from Halloween 4 and 5. She was in Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter is Dead, Joshua Jackson, Pacey, for all you Dawson Creek lovers out there. Mighty Ducks 2. Ducks fly together. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he's got a new series out right now, Dr. Death, which I do want to see because I love the podcast. Um, and then also, last but not least, one of the kings of horror himself, Robert England. Kruger, what's up? Iconic. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. Urban legend tells a story about a group of pretty college students at a remote New England university. The focus is the story of Natalie, a beautiful, academically gifted student at the fictional Pendleton University. Natalie and her friends are all involved in the folklore class being taught by Professor Wexler, which is Robert England. He entertains this class with the urban legends, which include Pendleton's own urban legend about a psych professor who murdered six students at Stanley Hall 25 years ago. Natalie is the first one to suspect that there's a killer on campus, especially after she has ties to all the victims. No one, including her friend, Wexler, Dean Adams, the security guard, nobody believes her. Surprise, right? until it's too late. Classic, I told you so. Now, she finds that her and her friends are a part of the killer's ultimate urban legend. Now, here's where they pick you off one by one. So the plot of this movie, uh, you know, kind of like Lo was saying, focuses on a series of murders on the campus that all of which appear to be modeled after these popular urban legends. This movie was filmed in Toronto in the spring of 1998, and it was released in the United States on September 25th, the same year, 1998. It grossed $72.5 million worldwide on a budget of $14 million. 
So, you know, a nice little profit there. Um, but it did receive generally negative reviews from critics. Um, the film has been credited by both cinema and folklore scholars as being one of the first major films to redistribute the urban legends and folklore depicted within it to the public. It was actually then followed by two sequels, uh, the first one being called Urban Legends Final Cut, which was released theatrically in the year 2000, and then the direct-to-video film Urban Legends Bloody Mary in 2005. In February of 2020, a reboot of the film was announced um, to be in development, to be written and directed by Colin Minahan. So definitely check those out if you enjoyed this film or you're just like a fan of urban legends in general. So this movie, Urban Legend, starts out with a Pendleton University student, Michelle Mancini, who is driving down the road in her car during a rainstorm. She's just jamming to some music. And the first jump scare kind of happens when she's reaching in her back seat for something and she almost gets hit by like another oncoming car that's like heading towards her. Luckily, she avoids the collision, but she sees that her car is like almost empty on gas, so she heads to the nearest gas station. The attendant comes out and begins to pump her gas. We kind of see him look in her back seat and then get this worried look on his face. He runs into the building and then quickly comes out to knock on her window. He tells her that she needs to come inside because her credit card company is on the phone and wants to speak with her. So she's like kind of a bit reluctant, like, you know, as I kind of would be too. And I'm sure you would probably be a little like, um, okay. But you know, she ultimately gets out of the car and heads inside. As soon as she gets inside of the building, the environment is like pretty creepy. It's like all dark with a bunch of stuff everywhere. And as soon as Michelle picks up the phone, the gas attendant, who like does come off semi scary, might I add. Um, he has a stuttering problem. So right. It's, it's hard for him to get the words out in a quick manner that he's trying to do. Right. Trying to like explain what's going on to her. But, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I get where she's coming from, uh, being nervous in this moment. Um, he begins to lock the door, and when she picks up the phone, like, no one's on it. So, like, now Michelle starts to freak out, thinking that this man is trying to, like, attack her or something. And I, I 100% would have thought the same thing if I was in her position. Like, the circumstances were scary, and it, it didn't really send clear messaging to her, like, what was happening. And, yeah, like I said, it kind of didn't help that the attendant he looked more on the creepy side and like Lo said you know his stutter um impediment so like, yeah he couldn't like really get out what he was trying to explain to her I know but I kept yelling at the tv will you let the man talk I know I know I felt horrible for him because she just like was <laughs> she was beating him up basically but at the same time if I was in her position and I had no idea, like, what was about to come. I'm not going to spoil it. But, um, you know, I feel like I would freak out, too, thinking that this guy was trying to, like, yeah. attack me. But um, she gets away, and she starts, like, zooming back down the road. She's sobbing from being so scared. And um, she's sitting to the soundtrack of Alone by Heart. <laughs> I just love the fact that she feels she just got attacked. She's in a panic. She's scared. She's crying. But I'm going to sing along with the song. Exactly. I know. I love that. It's kind of like, do you ever get, like, 
road rage, not like serious, okay, I'm not, I'm not crazy, but like, where I'm like, what the heck are you doing to this person? And then two seconds later, I start singing my song again. Kind of gave me those kind of vibes. Road rage. (laughs) Yep. But yeah, she's uh, she's jamming out to Alone, uh, still, you know, visibly upset. But we see a figure creep up from behind her, like in her back seat with an axe and ultimately decapitates her. So it's a scary scene for sure. And I've, I've definitely heard of that myth before. And we're going to go over like different myths at the end of this as well. And that's one that we're going to cover. But, um, yeah, I would say ever since I heard of that myth, probably 95% of the time I check my backseat before I get in. Oh, after this movie, absolutely. (laughs) Right, like, and I will forever check it. (laughs) Meanwhile in the film, at the campus coffee shop, one of the students named Parker tells his friends Natalie and Brenda a story about a massacre that occurred in Stanley Hall, an abandoned dormitory years ago at their campus. And then journalism student Paul, played by Jared Leto, very cute, very, very cute, I have to add that, Um, he walks by overhearing Parker and he kind of like, you know, discredits the story saying, no, that's just an urban legend and like correcting everything that he's saying. And throughout this movie, you know, you'll see different urban legends, like not only shown, but discussed. In the next scene, like one of the main characters are they're all in this American folklore class with Professor Wexler and he goes over a popular urban legend where a girl is babysitting and keeps getting these creepy calls from a stranger and ultimately finds out that this person is calling from inside of the house. Sounds familiar, right? Well, you know, flash to the popular movie when a stranger calls. Did you check the children? (laughs) They um, are, you know, talking about that one And Wexler kind of explains that this has never actually happened. Like, it's not a true story, but a lot of people say they know someone that this happened to. But indeed, it's just another popular legend. He even, like, in this class discusses small ones, like how mixing pop rocks with soda will make your insides burst. Which, like, is definitely another one that I have heard, and I... Actually, when I was younger, I intentionally never mixed the two because I was scared of what it would do, like, to my insides if I did. Stay tuned to our Facebook because uh, I'm still going to have my daughter do this. <laughs> I love it. She's yes. going to be Perfect. <laughs> After their class lets out, um, news of Michelle's murder quickly spreads throughout the campus. But the dean, Adams, and campus police officer, Reese... They seem kind of determined to, like, bury the story, saying that this is, you know, a low-crime campus, and they just, they intend on keeping it that way. So they didn't really want the story to get out. And Damon, who is another student in front of the main characters, is known to be quite the prankster fraternity member. And we see Natalie, the main character, looking through her old high school yearbook and a picture of her and Michelle kind of like insinuating that they used to be friends. So Natalie is visibly upset because Michelle was murdered, obviously, and Damon attempts to console her because obviously she's notably notably disturbed by the murder of her old friend, and he asks her if if she wants to go talk somewhere with him, which, like, I called BS right away. I was like, yeah, right. I was like, I know he's going to try to hook up with her. 
I don't know if you got the same vibes, but I was like, mm, this man is full of BS. Lazy. Yep. So they're in Damon's parked car at, like, this private forest area, and, you know, like we called it, Damon tries to make some moves on her, and she rejects him, and so he goes outside to pee before they leave, and he's actually attacked by an assailant in, like, this hooded parka jacket, uh, same one that we see in the beginning killing Michelle, and they proceed to, like, hang him from a tree on top of Natalie's car, um, and Natalie runs away. She takes a minute because they, like, tie the rope to her car and she can't get away, and she just hears Damon's, like, beat um, scratching against the top of the car, but she does get away to get help. But as soon as her and the police officer, Reese, go back to the location, Damon's body and the car are both gone. They disappeared. Um, And this scene kind of represents the urban legend of, like, a couple parking out in the woods to make out, and a killer hangs the boyfriend over the car, making his feet scratch on top of the car. Now, Parker and his girlfriend, Sasha, kind of, like, try to tell Natalie, like, that Damon, that's probably just one of his pranks because he's known to pull all these pranks um and he's supposed to be snowboarding this weekend so he probably just left to go snowboarding but you know natalie's not too sure it seemed pretty realistic to her and she's getting a little suspicious at this point now natalie also has a goth roommate named tosh um who's like pretty rude to her to be honest uh the first time we see tosh she's hooking up with a guy in their dorm and natalie walks in she's kind of like surprised to see them and tosh yells to turn the light off so natalie turns the lights off she just puts her headphones in and goes to sleep however a couple days later we see tosh posting somewhere on the internet looking for a goth guy to hook up with so she starts messaging with a possible hookup and she asks what room this guy is in and he replies with yours and pops up right behind her he's like freaky he throws her on the bed and like gets on top of her and starts choking her and now this time natalie thought she learned her lesson with tosh because when she enters the room she immediately turns back off the light and says oh sorry it's off and puts her headphones in and goes to sleep because you know natalie just figured that tosh was hooking up with someone again but to her surprise uh the next morning she sees blood and tosh's dead body with the message aren't you glad you turned off the lights written in blood on the wall again natalie tries to inform the dean and reese that tosh was murdered but they brush it off as like a suicide that part was freaky like the aren't you glad you turned off the lights i was like "Ooh." yeah but at the same time as i was watching it i was kind of aggravated because seriously suicide the note on the wall to me, that was a much for a suicide. Like, right. Like, I feel like if somebody was committing suicide, it wouldn't be, like, a taunting message to somebody else. And she wouldn't be, like, moaning. I mean. Right. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, know. I guess depending on how she did it. <laughs> That's true. I don't know. It was weird. And, yeah, I, I don't understand why they call it a suicide. But I guess just going with the storyline to, like, be like, oh, nothing's happening brushing natalie off again i was annoyed there yeah (laughs) and natalie 
becomes extremely paranoid at this point. I mean, I would too. And she's convinced now that there is a killer on the loose who's acting out all these, like, urban legend killings. We also find out that after the dean looks into Natalie's history, um, kind of checking up on her because she was, you know, claiming all these things happening. And he kind of sees that in high school, she was friends with Michelle. And one night, Michelle was driving her car, and they thought it would be funny to play out an urban legend prank on someone. So they went, the one they, like, went with was this gang member headlight one, um, and they carried this out by turning off their headlights, and then when someone tried to tell them by flashing their lights at them, Michelle and Natalie did a big U-turn and tailgated this guy and nonstop flashed their lights at him. Now, of course, he was terrified because he didn't know this was a prank. Like, they were, you know, aggressively tailgating him, and they kept getting faster and faster until ultimately he flipped his car off the road and he did end up dying. Um, So we kind of see that in Natalie's past and kind of how that's traumatized her and all of that. Meanwhile, Natalie and Paul link up now to like try and solve whatever is going on with these murders paul investigates some local urban legends and discovers that the stanley hall massacre that was discussed earlier was in fact real and professor wexer actually was its only survivor they also sneak into his office and they find like this hidden closet room um with the same exact coat that the killer has an axe and a rope Like, all the things that we've seen the killer have. So, you know, sketchy, sketchy at this point, if you ask me. Suspish, suspish. Suspish, (laughs) suspish. Um, he catches them, and, you know, he's not too happy that they're snooping around in his office, and, you know, they, they get in trouble with Dean Adams. Um, Paul gets taken off the newspaper, but ultimately, you know, not too much of a resolution there as far as figuring out who the killer is. So we kind of think, or at least I kind of thought it was still Wexler at that point. But next, uh, the next one we see is Dean Adams. He's in the school parking garage leaving for the night. He checks his back seat and like he kind of chuckles when nothing is there because he's like, oh, I'm, I'm so dumb. Like, why am I checking this? Uh, but however, he sadly did not check underneath his car which is another urban legend, Um, and the killer slits his ankles, making him fall to the ground, and then he ends up releasing the car to, like, flatten him, and it also, like, crushes and stabs him with the parking garage's tire flattener things. It was kind of a pretty gory scene. I remember younger, um, there's a mall, Southland Mall, down by us in Taylor, and I remember that being a thing. Like, people would be under the car, and I used to be so scared to get my car at the mall sometimes. Yeah, I remember not specifically that location, but I remember hearing, like, that people can get under your car and, like, grab your ankles or, like, cut them, like, in this scene. And, yeah, it's pretty scary. Okay, now I'm going to check under my car, too. We're going to take a 30-minute check of our car before we get in. I'm going to be attacked by someone running up before I even get in my car because I'm checking the perimeter. <laughs> But meanwhile, Natalie, Brenda, and Sasha, they attend this fraternity party that actually lines up 
in date with the massacre's 25th anniversary. During the party, Paul tries to warn Parker and everyone that like a murderer is on the loose and he's most likely going to carry out this urban legend massacre at this party. Parker, of course, you know, he laughs him off and he continues to party on. Um, but he gets a call with the caller ID saying Damon, so he thinks that, you know, it's Damon pranking him. But alas, another urban legend murder is carried out and the killer put his dog in the microwave. And you guys, oof. If you listen to us on the regular, you know how we feel about all these animal murders in these movies. And yet we keep picking them. I, I think it's just inevitable. It happens in so many of them, and I don't understand. I'm upset. Yeah, that made me sad. We feel personally victimized by these animal murderings. Anywho, uh, Parker then goes to the bathroom to puke because he's, like, traumatized, obviously, after seeing his dog microwaved. And no surprise, the killer pops up behind him and murders him by forcing pop rocks and bathroom chemicals down his throat. Super fun. Meanwhile, Sasha leaves the party to host her late night talk show at the campus radio station. And during the broadcast, she and her assistant are attacked by the killer. And like her screams are played live on air. The fraternity partygoers, like, they kind of just assume that it's a prank referencing the massacre. Um, but Natalie, you know, she's she knows something's up and that Sasha's in danger. And so she runs to the station and she ultimately does see the killer murder Sasha with an axe. Which I'm not sure if that's an urban legend. Like, over the radio station hearing someone being killed. But either way, it's pretty messed up. <laughs> Yeah, like how the guy was like, she's just really getting into character. I know. I'm like, well, um, maybe someone should be concerned. <laughs> but afterwards, Natalie finds Paul and Brenda on campus, and Paul is, like, convinced that Wexler is responsible for the killings. So, like, he drives them away in his car, and they stop at a gas station. And while Paul is inside, Natalie and Brenda are like, we smell something so gross in here and then they hear ringing coming from the trunk uh so they go back there just to check it out and they find wexler's dead body in the trunk so wexler is crossed off as one of the suspects uh, at this point and yeah they're obviously looking at paul side sideways kind of side-eyed and they just start running terrified through the woods back towards campus and at this point paul chases after them so we're kind of like insinuating here that Paul's the killer at this point. Um, I wasn't too convinced. I don't know how you felt at this point in the film, but I was kind of like, I don't know. I feel like someone set Paul up. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure who I really thought that it was. I didn't think it was who it was Same. the first time I seen it. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to claim, claim. Blame or blame <laughs> Paul because, I mean, it's really Jordan Catalano, which is really Jared Leto. <laughs> Didn't want to blame any of that. I'm like, look at those pretty eyes. Like, no way. He couldn't do that with that face. Now, I think at the beginning I really thought it was the professor for a while because why not would it not be Kruger? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then when he's Kruger. in the trunk of the car, I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, that's uh, how this plays out. <laughs> that's how that goes. <laughs> 
So yeah, they're all running in the woods and they get separated. Um, Brenda kind of like falls or something. I don't really know. She like just dropped out and she was gone and Natalie continues running. Um, and she sees a car, so she like flags down to like get a ride and it's actually the university's janitor passing by in his truck. He also gave me creepy vibes, so I was like, oh, is he the killer? And he had the same coat in his trunk. Um, but he picks her up, and they're driving, and they end up being forced off the road by the killer who, like, pursues them in a different car. And you see this killer wearing the famous, you know, jacket that they, that they wear the whole time. The crash sadly kills the janitor, but Natalie leaves unscathed and she's running back to the campus on foot. Now, she's at like this emergency thing once she returns back and she's passing Stanley Hall. And Natalie hears Brenda screaming from inside. So she goes in the building to help her friend. She like climbs through the window and she finds all of her friend's corpses along with like an apparently dead Brenda laid out on the bed. However, Brenda pops up and knocks Natalie unconscious moments later. Plot twist. Surprise, motherfucker. <laughs> yup. <laughs> so when Natalie wakes back up, Brenda goes cuckoo. I was like, what the heck is happening at this point? And she reveals herself as the killer who is taking revenge for her fiance named David Evans. His death, who was the, uh, the guy that Natalie and Michelle killed back in high school when they did that whole... Uh, headlight prank and Brenda's final urban legend attempt that she was trying to do was to remove Natalie's kidney which like I didn't know was a myth to be honest I thought that people stealing other people's kidneys to sell on the black market was like an actual thing but I guess it's not <laughs> have you ever heard that oh I thought it was true that's what I thought it's not I I don't know <laughs> She said it was an urban legend in the movie, but, like, I feel like that's a real thing, unless we're, like... Well, it could be. Clearly, our research is up to par. <laughs> I can see it happening. <laughs> Stay tuned. We'll let you know later. We'll let you know about the kidney, uh, the black market kidney, uh, stuff going on. But, uh, you know, Brenda's plan is halted when Reese arrives, and she holds Brenda at gunpoint, but... Brenda, of course, manages to stab Reese with a switchblade. And then Paul bursts in on the scene, which, like, realistically, how the heck did he know where they were? Like, how did Paul find them? I don't know. That part confused me. But Natalie kind of gains control of, like, Reese's gun. And she shoots Brenda. And as she, like, shoots her, she falls out of a window. And Natalie and Paul then leave to, like, get help for Reese. Medical help, obviously. And as they drive away, the two are kind of talking about, like, how this will later be an urban legend and all the facts will be misconstrued. And the part that was, like, kind of kind of cool to me was when Paul asks, well, if this is an urban legend, then where's the twist? And right after he says that, Brenda, who, who of course is still alive because the killer never dies on the first try in the movie... Uh, she appears in the backseat, she pops up, and she starts attempting to attack them with an axe. Paul crashes the car on a bridge into, like, the side of it, causing Brenda to go through the windshield and into the river below. So at this point, we're like, okay, this bitch dead. Um, 
<laughs> the final like scene of the movie is like it ends with a group of students at a different university talking about the events of Brenda's killing spree and during which they say that like her body was never discovered and most of them disbelieve the tale with like the exception of one girl who we see is Brenda. This girl ain't no quitter, I guess. She just uh, keeps going. She claims that the story was incorrectly told and she begins to tell them how the story really goes. So this was a pretty cool movie to me. Um, it touched on a lot of popular urban legends and I definitely love how they ended the movie with like Brenda being alive, going on to spread her story as an urban legend, um, kind of continuing on her, uh, her crazy journey, but... I don't know, I liked this movie. It was my first time watching it, um, but definitely touches on a lot of cool uh, myths and shows how they like intertwine with each other too. Just goes to show that Maxima girl ain't that nice. True. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, I also like that the security guard, her shaft moments. Oh my God. Like I she looks it. at the poster, the lady from shaft yes and she just gets all like badass and then like, when she goes back to get her gun she does a glance up like we got this yes i was like oh my god i love it <laughs> yeah it's a fun movie um i remember liking it back when and then i just re-showed well not re-showed but showed my husband it um for the first time and i showed my daughter it a while back so i mean they're fun. They're cheesy, funny, jump scare type. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's not like the most uh, crazy cinematic experience I've ever had, but I, I mean, I, I enjoyed it while I was watching it. Um, some of the myths and facts um, that we picked to go over is one of them is the Friday the 13th. Everybody calls it the unlucky day. And it is widely accepted that Friday the 13th is an unlucky day. Why, may you ask? Well, it's because the Canterbury Tales first painted Friday as an unlucky day. And then it fell on the 13th, Friday the 13th. It was a mischance. It was not, like, purposely done. Um, but um, it had rise to the modern myth and it became released as Friday the 13th by Thomas Lawson who was the association of Friday the 13th had bad luck and spun it from there and then it becamely becamely making new words up as we go love it it became firmly cemented and valid as a superstition it was actually fun fact Friday the 13th just yesterday as we're recording this it was, and I would have loved to watch a horror movie, but I died on the couch when I got home from <laughs> working late. Um, and then the killer in the backseat, as you've seen in the movie, um, this one was a little complicated. I put it on there because I feel like this one has a couple different ways that it has been told. Um, in the movie, they show her being warned by the guests station attendant like hey somebody's in your back seat like um wait a minute you know but then there's also you know where it says that she someone's driving behind her they flash their lights 
and then it spooks her so she drives off in a panic and then quickly gets home and she ends up getting killed but they were just trying to tell her that somebody was in her backseat. Now I remember it um, a while back like when I was you know a young thing. I thought it was like a gang related thing like you'd be driving down they flash your lights and then if you flashed your lights back that's when they would turn their car around and they would antagonize you or you know get you to pull over they beat the shit out of you or they kill you even that's the way i took it as it was like a gang association thing okay yeah um so i guess there has been a couple different ways to take that one yeah probably like you know, word of mouth, just like the game of telephone, things getting twisted. Because I, I remember, as it says, like, I remember flashing lights, um, someone sees someone in the back seat, kind of like how you described it. That's how I remember hearing it. Um, so yeah, it's probably just kind of however you heard it as a kid. <laughs> and then there's the Loch Ness Monster, a.k.a. Nessie. Every time I hear Nessie, I think of Twilight, when she's yelling at uh, Taylor Lautner, you named my daughter after Loch Ness Monster. <laughs> I don't remember her? that. Okay, well, it was a thing. <laughs> That's good. My daughter would back me up. She's obsessed. Oh, so, Nessie. as of 2017, um, there's a record year for the Loch Ness Monster sighting. I'm sorry, it was the record year. It is fitting that Nessie has earned a place on this list. The monster is said that it is to inhabit the Loch Ness, which is a lake in the Scottish Highlands, and it has been in the area of fascination for nearly a century now. The BBC team claims to have proved no such monster exists. Yeah, I love... Bomber. I love a good um, myth and conspiracy theory, like the Loch Ness Monster, but, like, I don't know if I can get on board with it. There's just, like, not enough proof. I saw pictures. If it's on the web, it's real. True. <laughs> <laughs> the internet knows all. <laughs> That'd be true if it's on Facebook. <laughs> Bloody Mary. Okay, this one used to freak me the shit out. I never did it all. Same. I could not get through it. Um, so, let me tell you about it, but I ain't going to do it. And then it got twisted to Candyman mm-hmm. as Candyman came out. And you better your bottom that I won't do Candyman either. Like, I know that's just a movie, but I ain't pressing my luck. Yeah, no. I so, agree with you there. <laughs> On both of them. Um, this one was also shown in the movie briefly as well, but this is um, famous for the modern myth. This tale suggests that if you look into the mirror and you say Bloody Mary uh, five times. When I was younger, I was told three. Same. I always heard three. So, um, so they, something will happen. It's what legend disagrees on. The earliest version is an unmarried woman would see the face of her future husband in the glass or a skull. And she would, if she was destined to die before being wed. This evolved into something more gory. Groups invoking bleeding spirit or witch called Mary. Some links have also been made to Queen Mary the first as she suffered multiple miscarriages during her reign. I always heard that it was the Virgin Mary would pop up in the mirror and be all bloody and scary looking. 
That's what I was told. And then that she would hand you her baby and you couldn't yes. and you couldn't drop it. Oh <gasps> yes, I forgot about that part of it. Yes. Which I don't know like what you're supposed to do with it once you got it. But again, I never got that far to figure it out because Same. I mean, do you let thank you and then like hand it back? Like Yeah, do you raise this child? <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna go home at eight years old and tell mama I got a baby. Like <laughs> it's a difficult situation. <laughs> So, again, never got that far, never wanted to, but, yes, I was always told you're supposed to say I said this a couple times. There is no mirrors in this room, is there? Because I've already said um, her name a few times. Yeah, let's let's not say it again. Yeah, because husband's out of town, so you may be having a sleepover if you <laughs> Right. Um, now, this story has been hugely popular. Um, mirrors and reflections, a regular fixture, and uncanny literature play parts in this Clive Barker's The Forbidden, which went to be the film The Candyman. See, knew it was bad. Mm-hmm. While Ringu and Koji Suzuki... Good job. Yeah, I don't know, yeah, I don't right. know but it sounded right. <laughs> ...substitutes a mirror for a television set. The X-Files, the Supernatural, directly tackled the merry myth on screen. Let me tell you, I have a friend who does a lot of paranormal stuff. And um, we we're going to get her on the show. She's got a lot going on right now, but um, she's going to come on the show. But last week when I seen her, do you know what she, you told, she told me? You're never supposed to have a mirror in your bedroom. I have so to- many. I'm not, like, vain, or I don't think I am, but I have a lot of mirrors in my room. <laughs> Cheryl's got one that I put in there. You're not supposed to have, um, it's not supposed to be in your kitchen, and if it is, it's supposed to face, it reflects the door, because if it doesn't, then you let ghosts in your house. If you have it facing the door, the reflection, so like when you open the door, it looks like the outside, it stops them from being able to come in. Oh. So you're never supposed to have a mirror in your kitchen either, unless okay. it's the opposite way. And she told me you're not supposed to have pictures of family members in your room. What? I guess I told her that there's pictures of me and Pat all over my room. Yeah. And I had the kids in there for a minute. But I always felt weird about that anyway, because, I mean, that's my bedroom and things happen. But, um, yeah, you're not supposed to have pictures of your family, like your grandparents if they pass or whatever. Really? Yeah. Um, I'm going to have her on here, and she's going to talk to us more about that. Yeah. But she was teaching me some things last time I seen her, and the mirrors was a big one that she told me. Okay, so let's circle back to that sleepover, <laughs> because <laughs> I have so many, I have, my closet doors are mirrors, and I have these, like, three decorative mirrors above my bed. And we've just talked about myths and bloody mirror, and then you're gonna, oh, oh. Again, and then you're gonna go home to all your mirrors. I'm gonna sleep in the hallway, because <laughs> there's mirrors in my, uh, living room with couches. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> so, moving on to the spider bite. I had one of those. Put me in the hospital. <laughs> oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. What the heck? You got infected. It was horrible. That's but I survived. Tra- I got both my legs still, so it's good. So, oh, anyway. That's traumatizing. <laughs> that's another story. <laughs> so, possibly one of the more believed urban myths. And I remember hearing this one as a kid before, too, and it still makes me cringe every time I think about it. So, this one tells the tale of a young person, often a traveler from a faraway location, who was bitten by a spider. When returning home, the victim experiences a hatching where a parasite baby spider bursts out from underneath the person's skin. Ew. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. FYI, this isn't physically possible, but it hasn't stopped parasitologies. 
going with it. Keep ding, going. ding, ding. <laughs> Being a defining feature of the body horror gene. Now, from Alien and Wrath of Khan to Stephen King's Dreamcatcher and Stephanie Meyer's The Host. Yeah. I... Oh, I vividly remember hearing about this and seeing videos and like things from movies where someone goes away they get bit by a spider they come back and then like the spider lays an egg inside of them and then yeah it it bursts and all these baby spiders just come like crawling out of this person's wound which yeah i mean really as i'm saying it it sounds ridiculous yeah because you know what happens you become spider-man oh dang now I want that to happen to me. <laughs> no, just kidding. Yeah, we all know you get little web slingers in your wrist and you, you go from buildings. You can fly from buildings. I just stuck out my middle finger like that's how he like that's how he releases them. If I was Spider-Woman, I would release them through my middle finger. <laughs> that's just me. <laughs> the wine is good to us. <laughs> yes. Okay, the hook man. Another campfire favorite. This tale features the story of a young couple out for a drive when the radio informs them that a hook-hand lunatic has escaped from the institution. Either the couple go home and find a hook embedded in the back of the car, or one of them ends up suspended above the car with his fingers scraping against the roof. Definitely popular and one that I have heard before. Now... We're just going to move on. <laughs> that one's, uh... Yeah. yeah. That's a little too close to Candyman. <laughs> yeah. The Licked Hand. Now, this one grossed me out when I read about it because I've never personally heard of this, but supposedly it's a popular one. So, in this popular tale, a scared girl, or sometimes an old woman, you know, I guess whichever... <laughs> Uh, listens to an ominous dripping coming from inside her home. She's comforted comforted by the presence of her dog who licks her hand from under the bed. (laughs) Eventually, she investigates the noise only to find her dog is slaughtered and a message is left in blood written saying humans can lick hands too. Ew. Right? The story has eventually taken... From a much earlier Mr. James story called Diary of Mr. Pointer. And he is also a character who experiences a similar fate, which is gross. Yeah, that story, I've also never heard of it. That's disgusting. (laughs) My dog doesn't lick my hands so much as um, she'll come up to the side of the bed and she bumps me with her nose. Oh, she's so she goes she's that. ready. For I've us seen her to do that. Up. Or if the husband is out of town, which is the only time she's allowed to sleep with me, <laughs> she will just come right above my head and look down. So then when I open my eyes, we're like nose to nose. Yeah, Lowe's dog Phoebe. She <laughs> she has such the personality and she makes eye contact so well. Like. Put her in front of a group of people and she'll give you the best eye contact during a presentation. <laughs> like, I've never seen an animal give such deep eye contact. Like, I feel like she's looking into my soul when she Have you ever seen me. her watch TV with us? Yes. She's she so focuses into it. on the entire show. Like, she, if there's an animal on it, she's on all fours. But my dog loves TV. <sighs> she's the coolest. 
chain letters. This one is pretty funny. Um, it takes me back to like the middle school days. We've all done chain letters, I think, at one time mm-hmm. or another. Um, I still get them on my phone and email. I'm like, you know what's going to stop with me, right? Like, <laughs> yep, same. I mean, Sometimes I used... I'll like heart it if it's nice or like I'll put a thumbs up or something, but I never send it to anybody else. <laughs> my daughter sends them to me. I'm like, dude, <laughs> just stop. So you guys know this one. You get sent a long message that suggests if you don't pass it on to five or more people, um, there'll be something terrible will happen to you. This urban legend seems to have predicted viral marketing over the past 20 years or so. And they moved it up from five. Now you got to send it to like 17 people. I know. They make it harder. I'm like, I don't know that many people. (laughs) I don't like that many people. I don't like that many people. (laughs) And Slender Man. Okay, this one. um, Okay, we'll just start with this first. So, by far the creepiest tales to me is truly modern myth. Slender Man. Now, this story started online as part of a competition to Photoshop pictures to include a supernatural element. The user who went by Victor Surge added a suited, faceless, unnaturally tall figure into black and white photos, which were copied and distributed virally over the net. Since then, millions of authors, mostly online, have shared and spread the story on websites such as Creepy Pasta. The Slender Man is known for abducting people, often children, who seem to willingly go with the figure and are never seen again, making him terrifying version of the Pied Piper. Now, we are going to do a story on this probably mm-hmm. soon, but the Slender Man, a lot of people know, um, was the motivation or the motive of the two girls that took her best friend into the woods and stabbed her 17 times and then left her there to die. Yeah. Great best friends. Where do I find <sighs> those? This, yeah, that story gives me chills. Like, And it's people like that I get so worried about who Charlotte becomes friends with. I know. Um, crazy people out there, man. Luckily, the girl did survive. Um, again, we're going to touch on it, but that was part of the motive that the girls claimed. Yeah. Slender Man told me to do it. Slender Man told us to do it. Um, <sighs> yeah. Yeah. I want to say more, but yeah, definitely keep listening because we're, we're for sure going to touch on that story because it's just too, uh, too crazy not to, you know? Horrible. Yeah. But that's why we're here. Yep. We're, we're here to tell you about all the scary and horrible things in life, but with, like, a charming essence to it, you know? We bitch, we complain, we judge, and then we share the story with you guys. We drink and share the story. <laughs> we, we like to keep, you know, somewhat of a positive lightness to it, I guess. Well, don't forget to sign on to horrorwineandcrime.com, Facebook, Instagram. We will have some pictures on the Insta highlights. Um, yeah, check it out. Um, if you, you know, feel compelled to, you can also hit the donate button on our website that will contribute to uh, the fun giveaway boxes that we do and all the stuff that we make. Um, check those out as well. We're going to have another one in September. Uh, we'll talk more about that, though, once it approaches. But definitely don't want to miss it because, you know, a couple of people got some cool stuff last month. They did. Um, I actually got a few compliments from people saying that they liked the package that uh, we created. Hopefully, she liked it. 
um, or he, I'm sorry. But uh, yeah, and you know, the more donates we get ahead of time, the bigger the stuff can be. So the more money we have to work with, the better they are. We do have some stuff already lined up. Um, it'll be at the end of September. We'll give you a future for sure date of the drawing soon. Um, but yeah, keep donating, keep helping. Um, we've been loving the wine that people are giving us. and Yeah, for sure. And most importantly, keep listening because that is uh, that is our the main I guess yes. the main point of this. <laughs> and tell us comments in the section if there's anything we need to change, work on, what you want to hear, stories. That's what it's there for. So please communicate with us. Keep listening. Keep commenting, liking. Tell a friend. Tell someone who's not a friend. Just tell people. Shout it out to the world, people. <laughs> And in that case, um, I guess we got to go. Stay creepy. Bye. Bye.